Benjamin Moore got a dark academia really paint collection. Yeah. Paint line. Uh, yeah. That's oh, interesting. That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> Today you are here with Skybeck Riyamakawa and Catherine Moore. Hi, Catherine. Hi, Sky. What are you working on this week? So this week is market prep. We have Mockingbird Lane that opens on October 1st. So we are busy tying up loose ends, getting any last minute items complete, packaging, all the fun stuff that we've done in the past for these. This is our third one. I can't believe it's only our third, but it's our third one. But I think we're really getting the hang of it. Yeah. So it's it's always busy the few days before the market. We did start doing things earlier this time, so it's not quite as hectic. So that's good. Yeah, it's hard to believe that last year was your very first one. I remember when you did it. I know, it's our one year anniversary. <laughs> right? So you must feel a certain level of at ease. It's like I've done this before. Yeah, we got this, we know. And we were lucky that we had an eight foot table at the witching hour that we did this summer. And we have an eight foot table at this one. The setup will be similar. Although if anyone visited us last year, we have way more products this time because we were pretty bare bones. Mm -hmm. So we have a lot more. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. I'm really excited for it. I, I can't wait for everybody to see it. So what are you working on? <laughs> Tell me what you're doing. I am getting ready, preparing and sketching and getting ready to put together my holiday collection that I will be offering November. Nice. Yeah. So I'm just figuring out my frame situation. I'm thinking about having a larger painting and then smaller paintings that will be related accompanying the larger one. Mm -hmm. That'd be cool. How many are you going to be doing? Do you know yet? Of course, I have the one big one. And then the question is, how many smalls will accompany them between five to 10? It mm -hmm. depends on the framing situation. Right. Because I built that box where I have the painting where it's more of a three-dimensional capsule where it mm -hmm. has the Tondo and then it has another board behind it flat. And then it almost has like a shadow box around it. Right. I'm doing that for the larger piece and I figured out how to make tiny ones. Oh, so nice. So I'm debating whether to do five of those or have a, something a little more simplistic where it's hung by a ribbon or something, you know, for the holiday to have a more of a gift vibe. And then I can right. do more. So I'm busy designing. Yay. <laughs> so I'm curious though, are you going to be selling them direct from your website or are they going to a gallery? Yeah, they'll be at the Kepi Cloud oh, okay. Art Gallery. Yeah. Nice. They already have a special space for it for its Sky's collection. Sweet. Yeah. We'll be right back to talk about art movements. We asked random art connoisseurs to try our new thirst quencher. Wow, that's really good. Am I dreaming? No, really. Pinch me. Incredible. Where can I get that? That's tea and canvas. Tea and canvas. I need more.
Catherine Moore exceptionally blends the supernatural dark curiosities and pop media, filtered through the finest Belgian linen to produce the tea and canvas line, the tastiest art known locally to the San Francisco Bay Area, and now is celebrated as a worldwide sensation. TeaandCanvas.com makes available original art and high-quality prints 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Tea and Canvas, when you have a taste for the dark side. Drink up at TeaandCanvas.com. Hello and welcome back. Today we have a discussion about new art movements. They're kind of new, right, Catherine? Yeah, they're kind of new. I mean, they've been around for a while, but maybe if you're not in the art world, maybe you aren't familiar with them. As an art appreciator, when you look up the new terminology for artists that are throwing out today, even some of the old terminology, they have not been officially recognized as right. legitimate art terms in the art world. But as artists, we're in the trenches and we're one step ahead of the bureaucratic side of labeling styles. And mm -hmm. I've heard people whisper that it doesn't really count if it didn't come from the East Coast. New York has to recognize it first before. And California or on the West Coast, we have art movements that are created here. Right. And they're not necessarily welcome or recognized on the East Coast. Yeah, I think. The New York art world is so different from the West Coast art world. It's it's a whole different vibe. It's a different feel. It's it's just so different. And I'm not saying it's bad. I don't want to I don't want to just let anyone like West Coast, East Coast <laughs> thing, but it's different. It's very different. I feel it's more, I don't know, I don't want to use the term snooty, but that's what it feels like as an outsider. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's a whole different vibe. It is. It really is. So, well, categorizing ourselves as dark artists, maximalists, pop surrealists, and much more can be cringy to some because that seems to be a running current that we're coming across. Like labels. <laughs> yeah. But it can help your audience and explain who or what or why you create what uh -huh. you do. So this week we will discuss new-ish, new -ish, I yes. say, <laughs> with quotes, art styles. What do they mean? What are the differences between some of them? Because some of them, it feels like it's a little blurry, mm -hmm. as well as some artists you might recognize classified under these new terms. Okay. So we're going to focus on three new terms, starting with everyone's favorite, yes. lowbrow art, which is often used in conjunction with pop surrealism right. do you think pop surrealism came from like i don't want to be considered lowbrow oh 100 100 there was the lowbrow art movement and then yeah i think some artists of course embraced mm -hmm. it and we're totally down with it yeah we're underground we're anti-establishment we're alternative right. and then other artists were worried that it was turning off some of their art collectors who maybe were looking for more fine right. art as i say parenthesizing so everybody can see it right right <laughs> so then i heard whispers of highbrow this is highbrow mm -hmm. art of course that got smashed real right. quick and then pop surrealism right well I, th I think too with with the lowbrow art it ended up being that more unseasoned or amateur artists would come in and say, I do lowbrow art, showing very unrefined artwork and saying, mm. well, yeah, oh, that's just my lowbrow art. Oh, wow. I don't like saying that work is good or bad, but every artist has bad artwork in them. And right. <laughs> especially when you're first starting out, you're just learning 
and you're growing some artwork that you produce is just bad. And I feel like there was a time and maybe not in galleries, but at least online that a lot of people would show this artwork that wasn't necessarily very good, but they would just say it's, it's lowbrow. And I wonder if that's saturated more in there. And so people that were doing amazing artwork and part of the lowbrow art movement said, oh, but this is Pops Realism. It's a little different. I don't know. It's possible. Yeah. Because as you're saying that, I'm running through my head of what I've seen or thought of when the lowbrow art movement came into my visual. Uh And then the artists who started to say, oh, I'm pop surreal. And I'm thinking of like Robbie Williams and hot rod Mm -hmm. art and day of the dead type of art. But yeah, I could see that like a pie chart of what percentage of. Right. Yeah. It was just interesting. And I'm not saying that's that's what it was. It was just something that I noticed that the more I saw people posting lowbrow art that was not very refined, there were more people that used to be considered lowbrow that started saying they were pop surrealists. Maybe it was coincidence. Could be. <laughs> but it's just something it I noticed. Could be. Yeah. I have the definition. So I'll give you a brief history and recognize that this might be the most familiar term to our audience, but it's still not recognized as an official art style. Mm -hmm. So the underground visual art movement that arose in Los Angeles, California in the late 1960s, see, I thought it was sooner than that, is a popular art movement with its cultural roots in underground comics, punk music, tiki culture, graffiti, and hot rod culture of the street. Often known by the name pop surrealism, Lowbrow art can have a sense of humor. Sometimes the humor is gleeful, impish, or sarcastic. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't necessarily mean that's pop surreal. Right. I'm just thinking of the pop surrealist artists. It's really interesting because it sounds like, because it's not a quote unquote recognized movement, you could just, yeah, I do pop surrealism. <laughs> yeah, I do that. It's tough. So most lowbrow artworks are paintings, but there are also toys, digital art, and sculptures. I thought, well, what is the difference, if any, because it was really hard to pinpoint a strong, we could say, this is lowbrow, this is pop surrealism. Right. Notable artists of this movement were Robert Williams, is considered the grandfather of pop surrealism. Okay. As well as R. Crumb. So like between those two, my brain says R. Crumb is lowbrow. Right. Robert Williams is pop surreal. Right. So Todd Shore, Mark Ryden, Audrey Kawasaki, Tara McPherson, Camille Rose Garcia, John Curran, and Shepard Ferry, and the list goes on and on, who are identified as pop surrealist slash lowbrow, because the difference between the two wasn't existent. I remember having a conversation many, many years ago with a friend of mine, and he was saying that he didn't like a certain type of artwork and it was art like I was discussing at the time that was one of those well it's not very good it's not refined yet it looks like someone that's just starting out and there's like oh yeah I don't like any of this lowbrow stuff but he was a huge fan of Mark Ryden and I was well you know Mark Ryden is a lowbrow artist he was all what (laughs) oh that's interesting because I think And this was right before you started hearing pop surrealism. It was still, you heard lowbrow a lot, but you weren't quite hearing pop surrealism yet. Couldn't understand. I said lowbrow just means, and at the time, what it meant was that your artwork just wasn't recognized by the highbrow art world. It sounds like it still isn't. We're not recognizing (laughs) that movement at all. It was such a broad definition 
that maybe it had to narrow into pop surrealism or something. I don't know. Yeah, well, I think like on the East Coast, so we would consider graffiti as part of under a lowbrow mm-hmm. category mm-hmm. on the West Coast. But I think on the East Coast, they just call it graffiti art, urban art, street, street art. art. So they just have different terminologies. Mm-hmm. The next art movement we have is dark art. Mm-hmm. And then I came across this other term, dark surrealism. So have you heard of dark surrealism yes. before? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Catherine, how would you define dark art? So dark art to me is anything that has usually darker colors, like darker palette, but also there's usually a macabre sense to it. A lot of art maybe dealing with death or like the memento mori type of stuff. Dance macabre, skulls, blood. Some of it can be quite gory, but it doesn't have to be. Some of it is based on creatures, kind of Lovecraftian creatures. It can be weird and morose, grotesque. I think it's just the subject matter and the color palette, to me, signifies dark art. Okay, that's what I would define as dark Mm -hmm. art. And then I was like, well, what's dark surrealism if there is a difference? Mm -hmm. And it said the definition of dark surreal art is the combination of different elements that create a sense of horror, fear, and other negative feelings in the viewer. Do you agree with that definition? The surrealism to me, it's, I guess I would consider surrealism if it's got surreal elements in it. I think it was just plain dark art. You have a realism or figurative take, or maybe you have a figure holding a skull and maybe there's some blood or something in there. And if it's done in a way that doesn't have those surreal elements in it, it can just be dark art. But then Mm -hmm. dark surrealism to me is more of the, you know, like we were talking about like the Lovecraftian creatures and stuff like that, or, or maybe. Okay. Just some weird surreal things in there that you were saying can convey that sense of fear or negative feelings. That's to me the difference, but I don't know that there is. <laughs> I don't know that there is a difference. It almost sounds like what you're describing is that dark surrealism is dark cerebral art. Yeah, maybe. It allows the viewer to stop and think, mm-hmm. how is this impacting me? What am I actually seeing here? It isn't so transparent as just dark art. When you think of surrealism, usually I know Salvador Dali. You think of the melting clocks, maybe, you know that, but there was like the surreal element to it. Like if a different person painted those elements and did it, the clock isn't melting, but can have those elements in a more realistic setting, it's not surrealism anymore. It's a still life of a clock. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. And I think to me, that's the difference to be dark surrealism. And again, if any dark surrealism are out there and you're listening to this, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not taking over. It's just in my mind, that's what I would categorize it as. It has to have a, a weirdness to it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Notable artists for this movement are Chet Zar, Tom Bagshaw, Nietzsche's Bosch, William Blake, and Salvador Dali. Some of his works were categorized as dark surrealism. Hmm. And then the third art movement we have, it isn't as confusing or controversial. is the maximalist art movement. So this all started by looking at the pattern and decoration art movement from the 1970s and American art movement from the 1970s and 80s. So this is very recent. Mm -hmm. And in art, the maximalism is a reaction. It's against minimalism. Okay. So it's an aesthetic of excess. And the philosophy can be summarized as more is more. More is more. (laughs) Contrasting with the minimalist motto, which is 
less is more. <laughs> so we're talking like multiple patterns on everything. I think of Robert Xavier Burden. Okay. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. There's so much going on. There's so much that you're looking at visually. There's the the pattern of the rug and all of the right. toys and the main subject. It definitely mm -hmm. is a maximalist. More is more. <laughs> right. Yes. Okay. I'm with you. That's interesting. It's a newish art movement. And it's definitely, there's a lot of artists who have embraced this. So some of the notable artists are Anna Valdez, Todd Shore, and I think some of Ryden's work could be categorized as maximalist. Some, mm, not yeah, all. Right. Ron English, even Julian Schnabel they had on the list. Mm, okay. The maximalist art movement, though, is also recognized in other arts, such as writing, music, and film. Huh. Zadie Smith, a novelist, is recognized as well as Frank Zappa and Kanye West as part of the maximalist art movement. Interesting. There was other newer art terms that maybe people have heard of, some of them I have, some of them I never have, <laughs> Okay, are the pop goth, which was okay. actually an art term when we were joking, is a thing. Okay. <laughs> there was kawaii surrealism, huh. gothic surrealism, Okay. Barbie core. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay. Jap is that all pink? I don't know for Barbie core. That's a good question. There's Japandi and dark academia. Oh, I love dark academia. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I've only heard that in terms of design, like interior design. I've only heard of it in terms of clothes. <laughs> oh, okay. That would work too. Yeah. I, if I could do a house in dark academia. That'd be so amazing. Like I've seen it in, in terms of when I'll show this dark academia, like color palette, Benjamin Moore got a dark academia. Really? Paint collection. Yeah. Paint line. Uh, yeah. That's oh, interesting. That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe we'll cover some of these other movements in a later episode. Yeah. <laughs> well, we will be right back with art news. Feeling the drabs? For those suffering from the mundane, ask your doctor about Sky's art. In studies, art and color have proven to promote inspiration, confidence, and in many cases relieved symptoms of anxiety and depression. Sky's art delivers in sometimes a single dose, the relief one may feel from the mundane with artisanally applied color, composition, and a bit of art history. Use Sky's art only as directed. Some side effects may include ebullience, gratification, tranquility, a meditative state, and in rare cases, orgasm. Don't take Sky's art with obstination or unwavering shrewdness. If experiencing interesting conversation lasting more than four days while viewing Sky's art, seek medical help immediately. Sky's art, it's time to live right. dear mortals, tis the season to lift the veil between the physical world and the realm of spirit. Whether you're looking for something strange and unusual, or a little more earthbound, Polka Dot Raven has darkly whimsical delights for every trick-or-treater. Follow the Raven's Call to the 6th Annual Mockingbird Lane Halloween Market on Sunday, October 1st at the Elks Lodge in Alameda 
from 12 p.m. to 5 p.m. Free admission to all who dare to be delighted by the ghoulish, spooky sundries that await you. Hello and welcome back. Today we have our art news segment in which we will talk about a little bit of cancel culture. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So it's after the Mets, Carl Lagerfeld show, curators urge museums not to gloss over fashion designers controversies. Great. I remember hearing about this. Yeah. Oh, you did. You heard about this. I did. You know, and it's, it's funny because I am a person that knows zero about fashion. I've never really cared for it. So I remember hearing about this Carl Lagerfeld character when this all happened. And I was like, who is that? Oh, really? I had to look it up. Yeah. I know zero. Like I've never been into fashion. I don't care about it. If you're into it, that's fine. It just was never my bag. <laughs> and so I, I knew who he was and I'm familiar with his clothing line. I didn't know all the other stuff. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So from the moment it was announced, the Metropolitan Museum of Art Spotlight grabbing exhibition Carl Lagerfeld's Line of Beauty has been the subject of criticism. Yeah. While many have heaped praise on the designer and the indisputable mark he made on fashion, particularly during his tenure at Chanel, others scorned the decision to give the ultimate museum treatment to a known bigot. Right. Yeah, that's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> As the British actress and activist Jamila Jamil described Lagerfeld to her nearly 4 million followers on Instagram. Yeah. God. That might've been how I heard about this in the first place. Oh, really? Yeah. In different contexts, the notorious provocator repeatedly made comments against body positivity, immigrants, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's getting mm -hmm. better. Yeah. <laughs> and refugees and the Me Too movement. Right. Among his most infamous remarks, no one wants to see curvy women right and if That's... you don't want your pants pulled about don't become a model wow yeah yeah he sounds like a pleasant fellow <laughs> i'm assuming i don't like i said don't know much about him but he would have come up at a time where that was more acceptable yes i remember hearing about lagerfield in the 80s okay and i'm not excusing it it's never okay i'm just saying that there are people of a certain age. Yeah. That, yeah. I mean, he is. He's got to be like in his 70s, which would mean that at least. So he had to be born around the 40s. Right. Which, yeah, maybe. Is he still alive, Lagerfeld? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> in the 80s, if that was possibly like his heyday, you know, that uh -huh. was the time of guest jeans. Guest jeans were not made for people with curves no I had one pair of guest jeans when I was in eighth grade that was the last year I could wear them because I'm <laughs> developing hips after that forget it exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. no hips no butt it's no therefore square flat mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. skinny no stretch <laughs> right so it went on to say if you're working with figures like this institutions have a responsibility to acknowledge the positive and negative aspects of an artist's work and they're part of the story. So they did share that Lagerfeld was a bigot. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. 
art as just an object devoid of the artist, a mid-20th century approach is in need of updating. So people felt that the personal information about the designer played into the designs and it's too hard because I guess they were trying to put that aside and just do the exhibit. Right. They said that they can't ignore it because it influenced the designs and the clothes that he made for people. Of course. Yeah. That's a whole other topic for another show, but it's how do you separate the artwork from the artist? I know I've had this conversation with friends of mine over the years, but it's really hard for me to do that because as an artist, I know how much of myself I put into my art. It is. It, it yeah, brings up the dilemma of share more about yourself or not. And, right. and we had an artist, a woman artist on recently for an interview who announced her political view and she had mm-hmm. commented, remember that she had lost yes. a very large group of following and mm-hmm. had gotten a lot of mean DMs. It is. It is. You have to decide what criticism you're willing to take at the same time it's i would hope that you're not a bigot out there hiding your bigotness (laughs) that's true yeah and people who collect art i've heard discussions about how they want to know what the painting means Mm -hmm. because they don't want to buy a painting from a nazi right exactly i don't want to find out that this is about killing or hating people Right. Even though it's a cute bunny, right? Right, right, exactly. It's like, I don't want someone that's hating on every underprivileged (laughs) community to be painting this piece. And they may be very talented and you're just like, but I don't want to own it. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So maybe that's a future episode. Yeah, for sure. Where can we find you online, Catherine? You can find me on my website, which is tncanvas.com. Or on social media, I'm at the whole meta collection, Facebook, threads, and Instagram, all at TN Canvas. Great. And I'm at skiesart.com for my website and Skies Art Shop on Instagram, as well as threads. And as Carl Lagerfield once said, don't dress to kill, dress to survive. Thank you for listening. Stay safe and happy, happy creating. creating.